Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hello, everybody. My name is Scotty Hines, one of the pastors here at Generations Church, and alongside of me is my buddy, Jeff Luddington, pastor as well at Generations Church. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Good morning. Why are you laughing through the introduction? Oh, because I thought of something funny. Oh, no. Please don't tell us. Please. Please. <laughs> we'll, we'll lose... Lo- I know we'll lose viewers. Anyhow, or listeners, or whatever you call them. But you may gain some. <laughs> it's doubtful. <laughs> All right. We're in a series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude. So we're working through, the, as you already said, the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. So we're Entering into what the Heidelberg Catechism, a 450-year-old way of training Christians. Now, the way of training catechism predates Jesus. It was common throughout the Jewish era, the early church, and, and all a catechism is, is a way of training or discipling people by memorizing questions and answers. So I ask a question, you have a memorized answer. We talked about this a little bit last week. That this allows us to memorize truth. Now, we call it truth uh, as long as the Bible agrees with it. As long as, and let me rephrase that, as long as it agrees with the Bible, it's true, right? right. The Bible is truth. Uh, creeds, confessions, catechism, statements, church messages, blogs, podcasts, they're only as true as they submit to the truth of Scripture. And so we're in this right now. We're in Part two, we're in the the grace section. It's broken into three sections. Guilt, grace, and gratitude are the nicknames. What is our need? What is our our, our sin? Why do we need a Savior? That's guilt. Grace, Jesus, our Savior. What does He do? How does it apply to us? Right? That's grace. And then we will look at when we arrive at section three, how do we respond to that? How does a Christian live in response to the grace blessed to us through Jesus? And so we're in Lord's Day 14, which is really week 14 for us, episode 14. It's a week-long study in this topic. So I'm going to read. There's two questions and answers today. I'm going to ask the question like a father would to a son, like a mother would to a daughter. I'm going to ask, and Pastor Scott, he is going to give us the answer. And so here we go. Question 35 says this, what does it mean that he, meaning Jesus, was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary? Answer, that the eternal Son of God, who is and remains true and eternal God, took to himself through the working of the Holy Spirit from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary a truly human nature so that he might become David's true descendant, like his brothers and sisters in every way except for sin. Except for sin, that's huge, right? Yeah. All right, next question is, how does the holy conception and birth of Christ benefit you? He is our mediator, and in God's sight, he covers with his innocence and his holiness, the sinfulness in which I was conceived. So I've said this a lot. I'm going to keep saying this. One of the things I love about the Heidelberg Catechism is I ask you a question in the second person, right? Mm -hmm. How does the holy conception and birth of Christ benefit you? That's a question, right? And your answering is, he is our mediator, which is us, plural, right? And in God's sight, he covers us with his innocence and holiness, the sinfulness in which... I was conceived. So there's a a personal nature. We're applying truth to ourselves, right? We're asked a question. 
we're answering a defense of our faith. Yeah. And so I, I, this is personal. Again, yeah. like a father says, hey, so how do you know, you know what time it is? Well, I look at the clock and the big hand says this, the little hand says this, this is my determination, yeah. right? Yeah. It's personal, it's personal truth. So today we're talking about the, the virgin birth, right? What does it mean when it says Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, right? How does that birth of Christ apply to you? So there's really three things that I think uh, make this really important, right? Yeah. Now, in your answer, you've got that the eternal Son, who is and remains true and eternal God, right, took to himself through the work of the Holy Spirit from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary, right, a truly human nature. So we've talked about Jesus is divine. That was our last episode, that he is the only son of God. We talked about that. If you yeah. guys want to look back at last week's episode, you can pull that up. The intro and all the weeks leading up to this are there, right? And this is truth that builds on other truths we already learned. Yes. So if we talk about the dual nature of Christ, theologians call that the hypostatic union of Christ, the fully divine, fully human, not half God, half man. Yeah, 100% man, 100% God. Exactly right. How does that, what does that mean? How does it apply to us? Yeah. We're in part two of that question, yep. right? So we're talking about now his human nature, right? His divine nature, his human nature, all of this. Yeah. So why, why did Jesus need to be born of a virgin? Why did the Holy Spirit need to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, impregnate, right? Make Mary pregnant, right? So there's really three reasons. One is to fulfill prophecy, right? God had, pro had proclaimed hundreds of years in advance that a virgin would bear a child. So if you were waiting for a savior, if you're a Jew who lives hundreds of years before Jesus, and you're waiting for the redeemer they were waiting for, you're waiting for God's long promised solution to sin. The question is how will we know Right? How will we know when the right one comes along? Well, one way was what Isaiah said in, in Isaiah 7, 14. He says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel, we know, means God with us. Yeah. Okay, so why? Fulfillment of prophecy is one reason. Yeah. Again, lots of people are going to come along and say they're the Savior. We have these living people today that say that about themselves. Yeah. Cults come from that, right? Yeah. There was other people that came before Jesus and they came after Jesus. There are all these people. How do we know? Yeah. How do we know when it's God? Well, when God proclaims it 800 years before it happens, and then it happens exactly that way, that's God saying, this is how you know, right? This yeah. is how you can be assured that Jesus is the one, yeah, right? Fulfilling prophecy is a great way. So we're in a series on Sundays, teaching through Isaiah. You've taught, I teach. We're going through the entire book of Isaiah, and one of the things that is a common theme throughout Isaiah, many chapters cover this, is that the people of God who are to worship God only are caught up in worshiping idols. They literally carve out wooden idols, or they have, you know, goldsmiths make wooden idols, and they bow down to them, they worship them. And so God mocks these idols, and he tells the people, listen, your idols have mouths but can't talk. And then God literally says, hey, listen, so 
Have your idol proclaim the future like I do. I will prove I'm God by proclaiming the future. He gets super serious and is like, hey, so I'll tell you what, I'll make it easy. How about your gods, your idols, your false gods? Yes. How about you get them to tell us the past? I love God's sarcasm. Yeah, right? <laughs> it, it just gives me affirmation to be more sarcastic. Well, that may not be the lesson. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so God proves himself. A proof of God, like you just said a minute ago, is that God fulfills prophecy. So why is the virgin birth important? Well, one thing, maybe not the most important thing, but one thing for sure is that God fulfills prophecy. Yeah. Another is to eliminate Adamic sin and the curse I would say this over is sin. The, this is the important thing. This is the thing. big dog, right? <laughs> this, is, this is the big one, right? So I read the Isaiah passage, 714, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So the fulfillment of that, when it occurs in history, Luke records this in Luke chapter 1. And here's the dialogue. It says, An angel comes to Mary and says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there, of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Holy means set apart for God, the Son of God. We dealt with that in our last episode, yeah, yeah. right? But there's a piece of this where we have to understand that we inherit, and this is in the, in the guilt chapters that we talked about sin, we inherit Adamic sin. In other words, Adam sinned, and in Adam all die. Yeah. We inherit sin, then we add to sin, right? In the last episode, we talked about son, being sons and daughters of God. That comes through redemption, through adoption. As Christ sheds his blood, he purchases us back to make us children of God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So here we go. Now we have the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, coming into human history. God putting on flesh. Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is going to enter into human history in flesh. So how can God do this? A person, a man, and a woman can't make a savior. No, no, right? no. In fact, that's what they've all been trying to do with idols. But, yeah. but literally, the man and the woman cannot bear a child that will be the savior because that child will inherit Adam's sin through the father. It, it takes you right back to your two answers. It's one thing that I, I, I bolded them on my computer, and it talks about the very, ans the very end of question, answer of question 35. talks about he is born in every way except for sin. Right? That's right. the only way he can be born without without sin is through the Holy Spirit. And ours, if you looked, I was conceived in sin. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm immediately in the curse. He's out of it. Yep. So, hey, feminists that are listening, you'll love this answer. We inherit sin through our fathers. Yeah. Right, right? Now, we get it through our moms, too. I'm just, you know, but we get it through endemic sin. We're held accountable for Adam. True toxic masculinity. Genetically, we get it through the seed, which comes from the Father. That's why Old Testament circumcision, the covenant symbol was circumcision, right? It's reminding us that we pass on through the seed, literally, genetically, we pass it on spiritually, right, as, as one child is born. So now we take a virgin woman, right, and the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow her, miraculously putting a child inside of her that has no human father. Yes, Joseph will raise Jesus, 
but his father is God. Yeah. So we have fully man, fully God, right? Conceived of a virgin, no father, so that the curse of Adamic sin does not pass to Jesus. So Jesus will be fully God, so he can take divine retribution on the cross, right? So that he can die, God dying for humanity. But he must be fully human because he must fulfill where Adam failed. Yes. So he must live the life we are called to live in this sinful world, and he must do it without sin as a fully human human being, right? As a fully human being. That's probably an easier way of saying that, right? So one, to fulfill fulfill prophecy, Jesus must be born of a virgin. But that's more bonus material. That's how will you know, right? How do you know this is Jesus? How do you know that the other dude who claimed to be a savior isn't Jesus? Well, because this one is born of a virgin. Okay, why born of a virgin? To eliminate Adamic sin and the curse of sin. Right? And finally, the very thing we talked about last week, this must be the Son of God. Right? This must be fully divine, fully human. And the reason for that, and we've talked a little bit about this, is there's no way that one human being, perfect or not, sacrificed on a cross can be the substitution for billions of human beings. You know, one man dying for another man, maybe. One perfect man dying for three sinful dudes. Okay, maybe. Billions? The math doesn't work. Nope. You have to change the equation. It is one God dying for all who will come to faith, right? Who will die for his church, who will save all humanity in Christ, right? Say all those who will believe. So we have to change the equation. The Son of God must be fully divine, therefore must be born of the spirit you know one thing i really love about this teaching is it really helps you understand crystallizes your position before god one of the Mm. biggest struggles i have with christians is this relationship they have with god that they gauge on their sin oh i'm doing better this week so god's more happy and they feel better about themselves no saints there's scripture that tells us there's no condemnation because that guilt feeling is removed but it's removed when you understand your position because then you understand where you stand before God mm-hmm. and how you can come to him. And yeah. that just, that, to me, it impacted my relationship with him dramatically when that concept became crystallized. So that's super important. Let's flip that to Heidelberg language, right? Yeah. How do you know that the love of God does not waver based on how you are doing? So I'm asking in the second person. You would say, I know because I am Christ, right? Yeah. I know God loves me because Christ is satisfied, right? What you said, not being critical, what you said was, man, a problem I have with Christians, right? And that's other people. But what you ended with is you struggle with it too. Oh, absolutely. Right? So we, as Christians, we wrestle with our identity in Christ. Yeah. So solidifying, and this is why I always say that the guilt section, right, the the first few days, the first several questions and answers that talk about our depth of sin. And, and I remember recording and I remember just talking about like, man, I can't wait to get to the grace part because we're digging deep on sin. <laughs> yeah. and it can be heavy, right? Mm-hmm. We must know our position outside of Christ yeah. so that the salvation that Christ provides to us becomes greater. See, if I'm just an okay guy, kind of neutral, but really I think I'm a good person. My salvation, I don't need much of a savior. If I am 
deeply depraved, if sin has permeated every bit of me, and I am incapable of contributing to any solution, that I am dead in my sins, as Ephesians says, right? That I am totally depraved, that I cannot rescue myself, that I cannot even contribute to my salvation. So important. Now I need a great big Savior. Now I need God who died on a cross, that Jesus would come and put on human flesh and live the life that I'm required to live but cannot, that he would die the death that I deeply deserve, and he did not. But to take my place that God, the creator of life, the one who exhaled and Adam inhaled life, that God would die on a cross for me. I need a great big Savior because I'm a great big mess. Man, and with that, that is just another good example of why the Heidelberg Catechism and memorizing truth can have and will have a dramatic and impact, a, a dramatic great impact on your life. Thank you so much for listening to the Generations Church podcast. Every Tuesday, we release new guilt, grace, and gratitude episodes, and we have some special episodes coming up over the next few weeks. So keep an eye out on Thursdays for those special topics we tackle. If you like what we are doing, please write a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks again for listening to the Generation Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.